Thank you, Samadhi. Um, word of warning, if anybody is going to preach in the future and you're nervous, don't take a drink of water, because in, in, inevitably you'll spill it in an unfortunate place on your leg. Um, that's what it was, honestly. Uh, let's pray, shall we? Uh, dear Lord, uh, thank you we've, that we've got the opportunity to spend some time in your word this morning. Please uh, give me words which are of truth and of you and uh, clarity in my speech. Amen. So this is um, the last of a morning ser- uh, ser- service uh, sermon which is out of a, any regular pattern. We're still in the Christmas period. Um, the one thing I would, would just, just like to say is for parents... You do not have to go out the back if you want to, uh, if you don't want to, if you want to stay in. That is absolutely fine. I'm preaching. I don't mind if I hear um, uh, kids making noise. It's absolutely fine. I love Christmas. Uh, Not simply because we have an opportunity to thank God for sending his one and only son, a fact that we have been rejoicing over the last couple of weeks, but also because I really like some of the festive trappings uh, and traditions that we engage with. Kate, my wife, and I are pretty fortunate in that um, our family traditions overlap um, uh, on, on, on Christmas Day, uh, which has helped to avoid some potential marital turmoil. Um, we open presents from Father Christmas. That's one of two times that I'm going to mention Father Christmas. To parents, I'm not going to shatter any illusions. That's down to you. Um, for, so we open our presents from Father Christmas first thing in the morning from the stocking when we wake up. Um, more presents when we get back from church. They're probably the main presents from immediate f- uh, family. And then later on, uh, presents from wider family if, um, and friends um, are under the tree. So we um, do them in the morning. In the evening, sorry. Uh, food. I love traditional food, and there are some, stri- some traditions which we, we, we do, which, again, have overlapped. Now, I don't know if anybody... Does anybody else have grapefruit for breakfast on Christmas morning? Okay, a few others. I, hadn't, I, I didn't think anybody else did this, apart from my parents, but Kate's parents do as, as well. So we have grapefruit on uh, Christmas morning with sugar and cherry, although they missed out the cherry this year. Um... <laughs> There was almost outrage um, from Kate and I uh, last year because uh, Kate's father-in-law, who'd, uh, my father-in-law, Kate's dad, uh, who does the, most of the cooking, suggested that we have Aunt Bessie's roast potatoes. <laughs> there are others available. Uh, I'm not um, suggesting Aunt Bessie's, but they are all, all equally awful. Um, Kate and I took over um, and we made sure that we had... Um, proper roast spuds on Christmas Day. Um, I'm sure you have your own family traditions, and like me, uh, you, in, they, uh, you enjoy how they develop over time and passing them on to each other. There are some, new, uh, some relatively new um, traditions that have arisen in society, which we get equally passionate about. The Coca-Cola truck. Uh, we see the, the advert... And then we see people say, uh, holidays are coming, um, I've seen the Coca-Cola advert, um, I've, or I've seen the, 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 the truck in the city, uh, Christmas can start. We wait with anticipation to see what John Lewis's advert is going to be. Um, and then we uh, exclaim with excitement uh, whether we like it or moan if it's not as good as last year. And then we wait with equal excitement to see the parody versions which come out. Uh, my personal favourite uh, is 
the Star Wars parody of this year's um, uh, John Lewis Man in the Moon um, uh, advert. Um, if you've not seen it, look it up on YouTube. Um, but spoilers, the Death Star and Earth, and it doesn't end well. Um, the, the interesting change uh, from tradition this year was Starbucks Red Cup. So um, if you don't know about the Red Cup, it's what um, Starbucks and, and other coffee chains serve their um, festive coffee menus in. Um, this year, it was like that. It was just, just plain, plain red. Um, whereas in other years, um, it was adorned with uh, snowflakes and reindeers and snowmen. Actually, as I was writing this sermon, I was sat in. Uh, Starbucks with an excessively large eggnog latte. It was very nice, but a bit too indulgent. Um, this actually gen- genuinely caused outrage. People thought that not having that, but having that, was a war on was Starbucks declaring war on Christmas, because they, it doesn't have any pictures of Christmas. I'd just like to point out that has no picture of a stable or Jesus in a manger, but there we go. A lot of odd things get posted on Facebook, normally about cats, um, but there was, there was one thing which I, I saw this year which, which I found interesting. This. This picture and the, uh, um, the words. Facebook are trying to ban this picture. Like and share if you think Christmas should not be banned. I found this interesting for two, two reasons. One, the person who shared this on Facebook, uh, for it to come up on, onto my uh, screen, has declared to me proudly their atheism. Um, and two, the suggestion that Facebook has either the authority or power to stop Christmas. Whether or not Facebook, uh, Starbucks, or the local council who calls um, this time of the year a f- winter festival is trying to... Uh, st- stop Christmas or not, I don't know. But the suggestion to do so is a ridiculous one. If we in the UK had to cease with all of our Christmas traditions that we love so much, were unable to publicly attend church, which so many of our brothers and sisters around the world um, have to do, would Christmas cease to exist? Of course not. For what is Christmas? But it is the marking point a time of remembrance of the midway turning point in the history of mankind, where it says in our passage in verse 14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. What Starbucks chooses to have on its coffee cup, or if I eat grapefruit on the morning of the 25th of December, has no relevance on the fact that Jesus was born, a fact that was prophesied long before his birth. Uh, Micah 5.2. But you, Bethlehem, I can never pronounce that word, so I'm not going to try. But you, Bethlehem, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. And again in Isaiah 7.14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will will conceive and give birth to a son and we'll call him Emmanuel. We can add so much to Christmas with our traditions and often miss the point. 
Yes, it's about Jesus, but it's about what he did and what he came to do. Jesus was much expected and much anticipated. For centuries, the Jewish people uh, waited for a saviour. Some people expected a uh, political king or a mighty warrior uh, with sword in hand, um, and some a priest. What came was a baby, fully God, fully human. Word became flesh. At the beginning of John's Gospel, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was made, he, he, he was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. Jesus. The word of God the Father, who was there at the time life began, through whom all things, through whom indeed life itself was created, came into life, into the world. Emmanuel, God with us. Let's not underplay this and be blasé, which we can really be, we can be as Christians because we hear this every, every year. God with us, Emmanuel. This is amazing stuff. Yet, he was not fully recognized for who he was. We see that here at the beginning of our reading. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. We live in a world that does not receive Jesus. A world which attempts to trivialize Jesus and what he did. Our world now, as at the time of of the first Christmas morning, does not receive Jesus because it does not recognize its own sin. Jesus was born to save us, but if if we were, were without sin, if we don't recognize our own sin, then we don't need Jesus. We don't need a savior. But we are sinners, and we do need saving. I love Christmas music, um, carols and Christmas songs. Um, I I love what what happens at at the carol service with the organ and the choir and the the music. I I think it's absolutely great. Um, One song I've particularly liked over many years, it's it's become a bit more popular this year. Um, It's a song entitled, Mary Did You Know? It has some great lines. Mary, did you know that your baby boy would walk on water? What an amazing line. How about this? Mary, did you know that the child that you delivered would soon deliver you? What, what a line. And that's the truth. No matter who we are, we are sinners. And we need delivering. Uh, Kate and I have a son, as, as you'll know. Uh, there he is, Rupert. Uh, And I think he's gorgeous. Um, He's enormously precious to me. He's our only little angel, and I could get a lot more mushier than that if I wanted to. But on his own, this little angel is in the darkness of of a world that does not receive Jesus, does not recognize, that does not recognize the light. 
on my own, I'm there with him. Somewhere in this congregation, there will be someone that others see as a sweet little old lady, but left to yourself, you're in that darkness too. And that's the point. We all are. From the newborns to the very senior. Not for nothing does John say that there's a whole world that did not recognize him. Part of the darkness is that we love, part of the darkness is that we do not want to own up to our own darkness. We don't want to face up to the consequences. We need light to show us the darkness inside for what it is, our own responsibility. For each one of us, we are responsible for our own sin. And that is a stark thought, and one which, if we're honest, we would prefer to avoid. God is a just God, and the penalty for our sin, which is rightly ours to bear, is death. Yet God loves us so much, Christ was born to take that punishment from us. In verse uh, 14, uh, in our reading, John picks up on, on glory. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Where do we see the glory of Jesus, of Jesus in John's Gospel? It's always at the cross, and it's not at the birth. Do a quick word study on on, on glory in John's gospel, and you'll find that God reveals his character supremely in Jesus, and then supremely in Jesus' giving of himself at the cross. Thirty-three years after that baby, meek and mild, the perfect present for all mankind was swaddled in a manger. He stretched out his arms. And died on the cross. Died. Lifeless. No breath. Then, also prophesied in the scriptures, long before the event, like his birth, Jesus rose three days later. Rose. Heart beating, blood pumping, alive. You see, that baby born in the, in the stable in Bethlehem was not born simply to die for us, but to die in our place, defeat death, defeat the power death has over us and rise again, all because he loves us and he wants to give us new life in the Father. Jesus, grace and truth. We see grace and truth mentioned twice in this passage, uh, in verse 14 and again in 17, when John mentions the Old Testament law. Through Moses, law was given. The law being a gift in itself, a gift of instruction. But the problem with the law is that as humans, we are weak and the flesh fails. Whilst the law is useful at explaining how we should live, the reality, the, the reality, 
The reality is, it also emphasizes how far from perfect we are. Of course we should try and live as good a life as possible, respecting the law. But I have never yet met anyone who genuinely considers themselves fault-free. And if you do, you're wrong. To be better than we should have been, better than others, or be good girls and boys, may be enough to release presents from Santa Claus, but God's standards are much higher, 100%. Because of our continuing self-sinfulness, the law acts to highlight how far, in our own strength, we are from God. But through the grace and truth of Jesus Christ, we have been reconciled to God. Sorry. The grace. God giving us what we don't deserve. Jesus Christ taking our place on the cross. And the truth. A way back to God. Jesus himself picks up this idea of him being the truth later in John's gospel. Uh, John 14, 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Uh, One commentator writes, He is the truth as fulfilling all the prophecies of our Saviour, believing which sinners come by him, the way. We have been provided a way back to God if we receive Christ and all he, he has done. Through this, we have the opportunity to have a new life, to die from our old lives, turn from sin and receive him. Uh, John 1, 12, 13. Yet all who did receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or human's will, but born of God. When we receive Jesus, receive him as our saviour, believe in his name, accept him as king in our lives and lord over all, we're able to be born anew. Not an earthly birth, but born anew as a child of God. Being born anew, we enter in a new eternal life. A life not bound by earthly limits and death, for death has been defeated and has no power. And this is why we can rejoice at Christmas, that God sent his one and only son to save us and bring us back to him. Let's be clear, that most famous of passages... Um, later in John's Gospel, does not say, for God so loved the world, he sent his one and only son just to come down and hang out with us. And what happened um, later and what followed was just a series of unfortunate events. No, what happened later was intentional. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son for that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son in the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. And now, now we get to look forward, to anticipate once again with excitement and wonder of the coming of of the Saviour to take us home. So what follows? I'm not going to second guess where you are at. But whether this is your first time in church or you're a seasoned churchgoer, and you ha- if you have never received Christ, why not this morning? Receive Christ. Believe in his name. Become God's child. 
If you have already done that, then that's great. But we have a job to do. C.S. Lewis writes, The church exists for nothing else but to draw men into Christ, to make them little Christs. If we are not doing that, all the cathedrals, clergy, missions, sermons, even the Bible itself are simply a waste of time. God became man for no other purpose. And that's the truth. If we do all that, if we do church, we do missions, but we're not drawing people to Christ, then it is a waste of time. At the end of the book, John says that he writes the whole gospel as a testimony that all might believe. Uh, John 20, 31. Uh, But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. For John, who has seen the glory, the vital thing was to go and tell the glory. And it's the same for us. As we move out of this Christmas period uh, and go back to work, to school, or wherever it is that is our world, our word needs to reflect Christ and point to him. That others might believe and might receive him. We need to tell the world about what that saviour in a manger did, is doing, and why. I'd be the first to admit I don't find it easy talking to my friends about this stuff. I don't. And it's not easy. But it is always needed. Our actions alone will not suffice. We must go and tell. Amen. Thank you.